Laurent Lebon is the current president of Musée Picasso in Paris. His curatorial practice has included curating 50 exhibitions for Centre Pompidou, Musée d'Orsay, Musée de l'Art Moderne, Versailles, and others across France. The Musée Picasso holds over 5,000 of Spanish artist Pablo Picasso's artworks and tens of thousands of sketches, photos, and manuscripts making the collection an impressive and holistic representation of Picasso's career. Lebon has been directing the museum since 2014. Welcome to the creative process, Michel Lebon. When you assumed the presidency of the Picasso Museum, what was your mission going in? My mission is always something impossible because we know we don't have a job we have only a passion. And so my job is this passion, very strange, to be at the disposal of the work of a genius, Picasso. And of course, we are listening to our public. And after five years of closing, we have the idea only to say, this Hotel Salé is a fantastic place. We have the responsibility of one of the most important collections in the world about one artist and the most important collection about Picasso. So how to display it? How to make it fascinating to everyone? Well, that was my mission. So after seven years, you have the answer. I don't know if you were successful, but that was the idea. I have certainly always enjoyed the Musée Picasso and coming back is always a pleasure. So I think that... Thank you so much. Perhaps, I don't know your feeling, but one of the main points is to feel at home. We are not in a big institution with thousands of visitors and we try, and that was the main idea of the choice of VOER. We could have built something specific for Picasso. If you remember, we are in the 70s, 500 meters from here, we have the San Pompidou. But the choice of the state was to say, we want something specific for this specific artist. And so, why a building from the 17th century? Because Picasso was revolutionary, but very classic in his taste, especially in the world of architecture. If you remember his studios, very often they are in the similar spirit than the Hotel Salé. So that was a nice choice. Not too big, and this feeling to be at home. And so, in our mission, we have this idea of hospitality, which is very important. Oh, it's so interesting because then you can imagine these are spaces like you would have used to create the works, and also as we just see in the, your current exhibition, Picasso Poet, he has influences reaching back into myth, into history. Yes, but it's very strange because we have one pro only problem that many visitors think that Picasso used to live here, used to work here. That's the only problem. But why not make something different? The works are here just to give another answer uh, to this uh, question, which is not here. You don't, you don't have the idea of the studio, but you have the idea, which is, I think, more important of the creation. Yes. 
And also, it is a museum, but it is also a research center, and you have many educational initiatives that I Yes, thank you so much. Yes, but I think today that is the main goal of all my colleagues, and of course, especially when you are a civil servant. We are not a private gallery. We have many relationships with the art market, but I think really the core of our job is to take care of our public. And of course, with Picasso, you have the masterpieces, and it's always complicated. I think we will come back to the definition of a masterpieces. But we have beyond 200,000 pieces of archives. And it's the balance between the paintings, the sculptures, some of them famous, and this wonderful uh, moment of the archives, like in Picasso Poet, which makes, I think, this museum a little bit different. I think there is a specificity of the artist museum for the monographic museum, which is not an encyclopedic museum like Le Louvre or the Met in New York. And I think that's why we have something specific here in Le Marais. In terms of Picasso's like, importance to France and his legacy to the world of art, I really, for me, it really changed the way we see and think of art. How, what do you feel is his legacy and what do you wish to impart through the museum? I think Picasso is a very strange man because one of the main points, I think he was born in 1881 and the death is 1973. So we have 92 years of artistic life. Let's say that around the age of 30 he becomes famous and wealthy, which is something very dangerous for artists, as you know. But in the case of Picasso, it was not dangerous. It was like a new beginning, a new life, and he never ends to create. That's the main point, because sometimes when you become wealthy, and famous, you stop to have the energy of the creative process to think about something which is important for you. And like Duchamp, I think Picasso is like the symbol of the creative process. Always in metamorphosis, always in transformation. If you see all the span of the career, you have 50,000 works of art in all media. And so, the main mission of the museum is to display, like a kaleidoscope, we don't know if the word is, is good in English, and we have always a new angle, a new direction, and it's the contrary of Vermeer. Of course, Vermeer is a fantastic painter, but you have 40 paintings, and so you have always to deal with this very limited uh, amount of works. But with Picasso, it's the danger is the contrary. You have so many uh, ways to look at his creation, but you have to take care of this. Mm. Yes, he really broke so many molds, and I think for an artist now, I think they're often encouraged to, once you have your brand, not to try new things because you're known for that. It's, it's a, it takes a lot of courage to keep on reinventing yourself. Well, it's not courage. It's a, we have fantastic jobs. We are happy to be there. Mm -hmm. I think it's... Uh, as I said uh, at the beginning, the world in French is conservateur, but it's an awful world. I prefer the word in English, curator, and I think to take care uh, of an heritage and just to say it's here, look at it, but with some ways of 
look at it, I think it's very interesting. And uh, one thing that interests us when we think about, as you, you mentioned, Picasso and Masterpiece, and I know that you also, when you were at the Pompidou Mets, you had an exhibition on, based on the idea of Masterpiece. But with Picasso, the concept of Masterpiece is always so linked with him. How, do, how did, what are the master, for you, what are the masterworks of Picasso, if you can say? And what do you feel about this idea of genius and masterwork? I think there is a big problem uh, for the Musée Picasso. The two main masterpieces of Picasso are not here. Les Demoiselles d'Avignon and Guernica. One as is the MoMA in New York and the other now is uh, in Madrid in the Museo Reina Sofia. But in both cases, we have all the creative process. That's very interesting because you can have the relationship. And by the way, we did two shows. Uh, one uh, 25 years ago about Les Demoiselles d'Avignon, and it was the last trip of Les Demoiselles d'Avignon to Paris. They never travel again. And we can make the link between all the preparatory moments and the masterpieces. For Guernica, we did a show two years ago without Garnica. It was Gar without Gar. But it was very interesting also to see how before and after these masterpieces was so powerful. And so what is my definition of a masterpiece? It's something which changed completely with the 20th century and Marcel Duchamp, of course, because who decide what is a masterpiece? It's you. It's the public. It's the people who look at the work of art. And it's a change of paradigm, because before it was much more a look from the production side, and now we are much more from the reception side. And how to make the distinction between a masterpiece and a work of art? I think a masterpiece, you can comment, you can say many, plenty of things, but you will never say the last sentence you will never say something definitive. And that's the masterpiece. It's like a sea, it's like a, a spring, and it's always something that can have a new look, and I think it's very important. Yes, I like that definition very much. So, in effect, a masterwork is one that turns us into, if we may be artists, it generates our own creative process. Uh, yes, completely true. Yes. Mm. And uh, something you are never it's never boring. You are never fed up with you. You always want to have a new look and you always come and visit again or listen again and you have something always new uh, at every moment. Mm. Yes, I, I, li I like that view very much. And as I think about, it's interesting because these you mentioned those masterworks that most know of Picasso. But for me, I actually learned so much just looking at the drawings that he made before, so many drawings. And I would just visit the Picasso Poet e exhibition where you have his writings as well. It's something, watching his mind work is so fascinating. Yes, you're completely right. And I don't know what did you think after visiting Picasso Poet, but it's brand new. We never displayed this poem for 30 years now and many people told us but we didn't know that Picasso was a poet and I think that's part of the definition of a genius uh, a genius in the spirit of Leonardo or some artists of this field they have 
not one field. There are many aspects of the creative process, and every aspect, even the less known, are always interesting. I love the exhibition, and I have to say one thing that because there have been many great artists of the 20th century, Picasso being like on the top of the mountain. But what's interesting for me, or you contrast maybe with Matisse or other great artists, but you have a real sense of his bio art as biography, the stories behind the paintings. That's why to go to see Picasso quite, you see the writing behind it. And for me, and you may please expand on it, is that he, it's all? It's very much linked to his line, like handwriting. It's mm. as personal as handwriting. Yes, uh, I don't remember exactly the quotation, but uh, Picasso says something like that: "I paint like I write my diary," and uh, something. Uh, voilà, it's, it's completely true. But what is very interesting with Picasso, of course, you can make a direct link between his biography and his work and you have thousands of pages on it. Very often, it also deals with the universal. And that's this balance between the singularity, the humanity, and the universal, which makes Picasso, I think, one of the genius of the 20th century. Yes, it's always moving and it's always making us think. And so I want, this is an educational initiative and students are always interested in how, you know, they're making their way into the art world. And so we're, I'm very curious, so how did you first fall in love with art and knew you wanted to make your home here? You never know exactly. I say very often that it's by chance for myself because I don't come from a family linked with the world of art. My grandfather was interested in this field but, and told me many things about it, but not so many. But I used to live in front of a, a building uh, where it was written on the facade, Kandinsky used to live there. Uh, voilà. And I did not know this fact that, Picasso, that Kandinsky died in France, because as you know, he has to leave uh, Germany in 1933. And life goes on, and some months after, I went to the Centre Pompidou to see my first big exhibition, which was about Kandinsky. And so the fact that my life makes a relationship with this visit to a museum makes me think about the world of art. And it's the beginning of a story, which never ends, because we are lucky enough to do jobs which are not really jobs. The link, the frontier between private and public life is very uh, tiny, it's good in English. But in France, we have a school which is specific uh, to become curator called École Nationale du Patrimoine, National School for Heritage. And uh, I was lucky enough uh, to pass the exam of this school and after making my way mainly in three parts, one part dedicated to the public art for 10 years and after around 10 years around the Saint Pompidou and I was at the beginning of this adventure of the new Saint Pompidou in Metz. It's always strange to, to be at the beginning of an adventure. Sometimes you arrive in the middle or you be a part of something but it's very rare to be at the first day when there is nothing and after uh, to the opening and then five years of the first life uh, of the Saint Pompidou Mess, and then now for seven years here at the Musée Picasso. Yes, and it's interesting in terms of some people I hear saying, oh, we should reinvent the museum. There are different ways to reach 
wider audiences. You've also been curating for uh, La Nuit Blanche and uh, other things. So what are some different ways of engaging that you're excited about? Yes, I think my job is very interesting here, but the problem is that I have a wonderful team, so I have nothing to do. Uh, my job, I think, is also, when I have time, to do things outside the museum. So that's why I like to teach, I like to write, and I like to do shows when I have time outside the museum. And I think it's very important because if you stay, that's my idea of life, in one position like this wonderful uh, museum, it can become a tomb, a mausoleum. Uh, so it's very dangerous because, uh, of course, the context is fantastic, but you forget that the real life is outside. So in our job, I think, and it's a danger for museum, we have to think that the real life is always outside, even in the digital world. And I think that's why I'm doing all of this adventure outside the museum. Yes, and you also have, as well as being a fantastic uh, research facility, you also have programs that are reaching the very kind of youngest uh, students, or in terms of your visits, you really have these kind of plans where they can engage. Yes, even from the primary school. I think now, uh, I, I was not very successful to go to the end of this process, but one of our main ideas was something which exists in the UK and the US. We call it Night at the Museum. And we wanted children to sleep in the museum, to have a specific moment, to, because I think today, when you, do, when you are at school and you do a visit at the museum, sometimes it's boring and you need a shock. And so that's why I think the Night at the Museum is something very important. So uh, we didn't succeed to sleep, but we spent till midnight, one, one hour in the morning. That's a, that's make a good thing. And another thing is to be in the long-term process, not to be superficial. So sometimes we have relationship with schools and we ask them to spend a year with us. And for example, we have something called Yo Picasso, where we ask the children to learn about Picasso and then they do themselves the teaching and what is very interesting to the elderly people, to the people who doesn't have the strength or the energy to go to the museum anymore. And so that's very interesting to have the, the link between the, the children for their first experiment at the museum, giving their knowledge to the elderly people who perhaps will be their last visit to the museum. So we like this idea very much. That's very beautiful, yes. And so much, I love to go around the museum with, of course, with an expert, but also with a child because, and very appropriate to Picasso Museum because we often say that he had the playfulness and the inventiveness of, of course, children. Of course. And they can see something right away that... Yeah. You know, it's yeah. this sentence of Picasso, he said, I spent all my life to learn again how to draw like a child. No, it, it, is a real, it is a real gift, and I think that that is another thing I would say about him, is that he gave us, the viewers, permission to find the beauty there mm -hmm. that children have. I, I, I love that. I would like to share more about that, because I think that's something that we can all be doing with the younger and older generations. We inspire each other. But so you're talking about a little bit about this uh, inventiveness or this uh, playfulness, uh, this enormous energy that Picasso had. Where do you feel the sources of that work? You never know exactly. 
certainly in his family context, but I think he has something different since the beginning. And of course, his father was an artist, but finally, like sometimes in the life, you become yourself against your family. And his father was like, to be very short in the explanation, like an academician. And at the beginning, he was against his father, but understanding that the way of his life will be to be an artist, and that's very important. So I think after it's the chance of life, why coming from Malaga, south of Spain, with absolutely no link with the avant-garde, but thanks to his family, the trip to Barcelona, and finally in the countryside near Barcelona, Gozol, for example, was very important for him. So it's a succession of little events that makes the energy of which was already very strong at the age of five uh, becoming fantastic at the age of 18 and 20. And, I'm very, and I think that we should all be uh, very interested about how we can encourage that kind of creativity. We have, it's interesting because you say he, he had this foundation, he had the academic training from his father, he had all this permission to be creative. So it's a tool you need, mm-hmm. right, to be a genius. You need to have some skills. But I want to encourage that in people because sometimes we can be too trained or sometimes we can be too free. And you have some great schools here at the Beaux-Arts de Paris and, mm-hmm. and many. What are some ways we can encourage more creativity in our educational model? How, what are the things that you've seen that excite you? I think in France we are very late in this field, but we make some progress. And, and sometimes, you know, it's only a question of time. Our system is very different from the others, as it's very strict, and we have the power of mathematics, of uh, French language, and things like that, and uh, there are very little time for art. And as unfortunately, if you don't begin the, uh, the earlier, the better. Uh, and so, so the, all the energy we put in going to visit uh, the places to have the meeting with artists. We have this program in France to invite artists at school and I think it's very important because it could be only one day, one minute and it could be more important than years of lessons. Voilà. I, I believe really in the shock, voilà, in the moment. But to be prepared to this moment, you have the context and that's why the education part of artistry and of also is very important. Yes. As you say, you grew up uh, near uh, Kandinsky's home and uh, having that kind of gives you a grounding of this is a kind of thing that people like me mm-hmm. can be pursue. Yes, it's something uh, now we're all thinking about it also with uh, COVID as well. Because everyone yes, <laughs> the COVID, the, the main problem, there are so many consequences to the COVID, but the fact that we, we don't uh, travel anymore, we don't visit even at the end of the street, that makes things very different of course. But there's an, I've noticed an enormous creative energy that people are kind of... Very often in crisis, Mm. if you see, for example, Picasso, Mm -hmm. uh, when he arrived in Paris, he was the poorest man in the five square meters with no money, in a very difficult moment. And finally, it was the energy and what we called after the blue period and the rose period comes from this energy. And today, as you said, you can feel in the air, but... Um, of course, the situation is a tragedy, but 
you have a huge amount of energy. I was this weekend in a very short tour of the gallery and, and around, and you can see people again saying that's the moment to create. I think also having time alone with yourself. It's an art isn't always social. Artists are very linked with COVID. Unfortunately, they are, I don't know the word English, but they are always very confined, confined. Yes. Voilà, voilà. Yeah, it's yeah. We're we're used to it. We have to go. We have to go down into the mines to bring up the, the gold mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, another interesting thing, I, you know, about Picasso. It's is it even though he was very much an artist of his generation, as you say, respond. He did these you know paintings in response to war or different things. He's very. He makes it fresh. You go back in history and you see the other great artists, but you can find a kind of cluster and you can see how they're very much like each other. But always Picasso, even if he has the inspiration from the same source, it's very new and you know it is him. You know, Picasso was like a sponge, very influenced by whole art history and the artist around. For example, if you speak about abstraction, Picasso always said that he hates abstraction, he hated abstraction. He was absolutely not interested in abstraction. But finally, when you look at his work, you can see at many times that he was like an abstract artist and he, he looked at many abstract paintings and there was an influence on his art. For example, during the Cubist period, or, uh, where he was like a, a pioneer of the abstract uh, movement. So it's always in, very complicated for an artist. You are alone and you are in the world of art. Many sociologists spoke about that, about the context, and that's the balance which makes things very interesting. Because to create, you have to be alone, especially in the field of painting or visual arts and things like that, which is very different from cinema, of course, and others. But uh, if you don't have the relationship with the public, with the critic, with the expert, you will never be an artist. And, well, there are so many things, because as you speak, I, I remember all the things I love about Picasso. Yes, the abstraction. He could play with abstraction. He could paint a nude as though it was a puzzle. And that's why we are drawn to this, because it's a puzzle. It's moved around and we want to solve it. But it's always a very personal, too. Not just a formula abstraction. But really, I guess, and I, I don't know what you love most about Picasso, but for me, it's this intimacy and a psychological portraiture. This sense the, the the lives lived, the these children, his women, and, and that. that's for me. But I don't know for you what is. No, oh, you're completely right. Sometimes people hate Picasso. When you speak with his family, still alive, it's very interesting because some part of the family hate him, mm-hmm. and some another part love him. Mm-hmm. And so finally, Picasso, it's like a symbol of life. Always, I don't want to be very schematical, but it's a very yin and yang, black and white, and that's why it makes him so fascinating. I can imagine for family as well, because of the intimacy of certain paintings, it's like if your family member wrote a biography, a memoir, it feels very naked for the world to see. But I, I don't know, and I always thought that is a, a difficulty, a difficult thing to do in painting. We talk about his uh, writing, but it's to to give stories or to give a detailed sense of the intimate life. In one picture, it's very hard to do. Yes, and sometimes in one line, because Picasso was very rapid, mm-hmm. as in, as you can see, 
in the famous film Le Mystère by which was at the Festival de Cannes, the film won the prize in the 50s. It was the first film to see the creative process of an artist. If you remember, with the use of a glass, and you can see Picasso, and you can see in this film how he changed his mind for 10 minutes. You begin with a line, and after 10 minutes, you have another line, and you begin with a bull, and it finishes in a, in, a, in a human figure. And uh, I think it's very important, this uh, metamorphosis aspect of his artistic life. Yes, yeah, very improvisational. I'm Pearson Brown, a student at American University. I'm majoring in an interdisciplinary degree which combines communications, legal institutions, economics, and government. In addition, I am minoring in art history and pursuing an advanced leadership studies certificate. With the creative process, I am an associate podcast producer focusing on curation, museum education, and sustainability. Laurent Lebon's impressive career in curation has prepared him well to lead the Musée Picasso. As he mentions, he fell in love with art by chance growing up near Kandinsky's previous home and remembering an exhibition he saw of the artist as a young boy. This, I think, is one of the best ways to develop a strong love of art, seeing it pop up in unexpected ways as you go through life. I feel as though my own journey into a love of museums is similar, having visited on school field trips and family vacations just enough times to be captivated by the possible stories to be told through curation. What captivated me most about Le Bon's interview was his mention of how Picasso's artwork embodies a sense of childlike play. His masterpieces never grow old, since viewers seem to find something new to learn each time they see the same pieces again and again. Picasso can be called a genius because of this enthralling quality that allows viewers of all ages to be brought back to their inner child, looking at the world in new ways. I find that the best artists, those who become household names are capable of achieving these same qualities. As Lebon points out, a master or a masterpiece is defined not by the artist, but by the public. Works by Pollock, Warhol, Duchamp, O'Keeffe, they all bring that sense of wonder, leaving viewers with a new perspective. While I think those most well-known artists are well-deserving of their fame, I'm most interested in how this same quality is seen in contemporary artists. Creators like Gillian Myers and Hannah Levy, to me, embody the same sense of play, pushing boundaries, captivating audiences, leaving them thinking about the work for days or even years to come. As LeBon mentions, museums can be at risk of becoming mausoleums should they refuse to adapt to new audiences. Pairing contemporary artists with those of the past creates a unique dialogue between old and new, bringing in young voices while still valuing those who led us to today. I find that Lebon understands this need well and cannot wait for the chance to visit Musée Picasso someday soon. There's another thing because I think that people, I am dealing a lot with students and I think, and you know from your visits that you could hear, people are, are so afraid they want to know how they should proceed, like there's a formula and it doesn't seem like... I think there is no formula, no, hopefully, <laughs> but I think if the problem, of course, is when you visit a museum and when you see Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Picasso, you can be afraid, but you don't have to be afraid because there is always a place for you when you are an artist. That's very important to think about that. And I don't think that uh, 
the art history is finished, of course. It's a never-ending story, and that makes fascinating. And the Picasso of today is here, just around the corner, but uh, uh, we will discover him very soon. Yes, uh, they may be using uh, mediums that we didn't were not envisaged yes, in Picasso's time. But it's one thing, we spoke a little bit about the crisis, and sometimes in crisis, okay, there's cut of funding to art, or people feel, those who are not artists, people feel, um, oh, we have to think about serious things. We have to focus our energy on health or fixing the environment. But I feel it is a necessity. I feel it is like an essential mm. that we need. You don't have to forget art. Because yeah. if you forget art, you forget the essential. Because, of course, we are not animals. That makes the, our specificity to humankind. And that's why many people dealing with cultural war during the COVID think they were useless. But finally, you, and you can see it with the success of the digital world during the, the digital cultural world during the crisis, and I think we can have, have still be a, with a little hope. Mm. No, I, I think it's important. People are appreciating it, but it is not, you know, one always has to defend one's place. <laughs> and, and I do think, I, I, I wonder what Picasso would be doing now and what his response would be now. Uh, it's, it's hard to speculate. Yes, it's very difficult. You can think about Guernica, uh, which was his answer to the Spanish Civil War. I think perhaps he, you don't know, perhaps he, he will have found something completely different to be not in a representative way, illustrative way, but something uh, very powerful. And what's you, in terms of your process as a president and a curator of exhibitions, how are you, how are you deciding, for instance, planning of this uh, Picasso poet exhibitions or others, how are you deciding, you know, how to, how to present, what, just describe your creative. As we said, uh, as I said sometimes, we are always uh, uh, fr like frustrated artists. We are not artists, but we are dealing, we are looking at every day the world of artists. And so there is no recipe, of course. The programmation, which is your question, it's always something between perhaps a little amount of individuality, but a huge amount of collective work. And of course, we look at ground, we are filling the air, and you have to be at the right moment. And sometimes you make uh, some uh, uh, very huge errors, and sometimes you are more in the moment, but at the same moment we said we are going to do poet to give two examples of the same field, let's say word and image in the field of Picasso, but in a completely different way. In one Picasso cartoons, we ask contemporary artists to make specific commissions. In Picasso poet, we shrink the field only to the world of Picasso. And it's always something different. I think if you have uh, completely in the core of your policy, the idea to be always experimental, to say always something new, you always find a new step and a new moment. Uh, voilà. It's interesting that you pair them because they're both graphical, they're both, they're both focused online. And one thing, as I try to analyze why the, pow the enduring power of an artist, you consider great in their time, but also for eternity, I think that Picasso is, is definitely one of those. I feel it's something to do with, as you say, the line, with this graphic quality. You c it can be reproduced 
not by other Picassos, but it just it, it strikes on our memory because it's very bold. Yes, you are completely right. There is a, a sense of simplicity. And, and it's very often I said, when you come back at home, do not hesitate, take a pencil or something and a blank uh, white sheet of paper and go. And you will see how difficult it is to do a Picasso because only with a line is so powerful. And he could also, in terms of just, if you just look at his portraits, they capture so much in just a little. Mm. And so very often in the eyes. Yeah, he was uh, just a master of that. So such sensitivity. I wonder if he have a kind of photographic memory or something, because he it seemed like he could get the essence without. Mm. Um, but anyway, I am just speculating about all that. No, no, you are not speculating, because when you see, when you read people who used to know him, they, they say very often like, when you are in front of him, he was like uh, uh, people who was eating your brain or something like that. People were sometimes afraid. Of his hog uh, eggs. And oh, yes, is the, also like the bullfighter. <laughs> he, can, he can spear you with his arms. Ah, <laughs> In terms of the writing that Hedas Fajilo and ma many others have written about him, who, what writing do you turn to if you found I like very much the, the Bible of Pierre Dex, Le Dictionnaire Picasso. I think there is not, I think it's one something unique in the world of art history, someone who, who dedicates uh, his entire life to do a dictionary on one artist. And you have, and I think it gives a good idea of the kaleidoscopic spirit of Picasso. And I like dictionary, so voilà, I really recommend uh, this lecture. But of course, the biography of John Richardson, who just died, uh, is fantastic. Uh, voilà, it's, uh, it's the balance between the dictionary and the biography. And in terms of reading Picasso's own writing, you, uh, you, find, uh, you, you, you find enough of a biography in it, or do you f like to have the other sources to come in? I think it's important to have other sources, because I know nothing about the you need one entire life to begin have a little idea of his spirit. But as I said, when you even don't read but listen, the members of the family all spent many times with Picasso, a lot of uh, amount of time, and they don't have the same experiment, they don't have the same souvenir, so I think it's very important to compare and to have many sources. Are you planning any um, traveling exhibitions or in terms of your forthcoming exhibitions? How are these? And has it changed now? With the yes, we, we were very interested in doing a programmation in movement, so we called it Movement, which is a balance between two words in French, mouvement and monument, and we say mouvement. So we change every time the, the programmation here, and the next big step is a partnership with an important museum in France called Musée Rodin, and we will do the first show Picasso Rodin. We saw for the last five years that people are very interested in duo. It's a new thing, a new trend in art history. So we did Picasso Giacometti, which was a huge success, Picasso Calder, and now we are doing Picasso Rodin. Voilà. That will be our main project for next year. Oh, that, and that seems like a, such a beautiful pairing because of their, they're both such sensual artists. Yes, and they are all interesting in their legacy, in their heritage, because they were all uh, they are both at the beginning of their own museum, so it's interesting also. Uh, yeah, it's just, I, I didn't know how much Picasso was involved in the planning of the museum. Uh, you mean that Picasso was involved? Yes, Picasso aware. always said during his life, 
give me a museum, I will fill it. Mm -hmm. And he was at the beginning of the Musée Picasso in Barcelona mm -hmm. during his life. And he prepared everything for after. Of course, he was not deciding that there will be this museum, but you can see with all his heritage that he wanted to have something like a museum. Yes, and not that long ago, Musée Picasso here had, went, underwent a renovation. And what were some of the things that were important that uh, you needed to be installed? What went into the, the planning process? Well, the idea of the renovation was very easy. It was to say here there were offices and storage, and why not giving all the space to art? That was the main point. And after we made many things about security, about oh, yes. cl uh, climate control and things like that. So I think today, as we said at the beginning, it's not a huge museum, but we have 2,500 square meters, like five levels where you can change everything, closing one level, changing it, but letting the four others open. And that's like, the thing interesting in a museum, which could be difficult because it's an historic building. Yeah, well, it's really beautifully done. I always enjoy uh, visiting. It's so beautifully airy as well. Example, we transformed this place in a small uh, library for yes. the time of the exhibition. And really, just some of the books. I don't know how many books have been written on Picasso. You, you'll have a better idea. <laughs> so, no, I think it's very beautiful and very sensitive what you've done. And it makes it one of the great pleasures of a museum, as you say, to visit, not just once, but to revisit, mm -hmm. to bring back your family, to bring your grandmother to, and really experience it that way. Yes, we touched on it a little bit, and as we're thinking, as an educational initiative, we do think about the future now, and I'm sure you're thinking about it, the kind of world we're leaving the next generation. So what ultimately do you believe is the importance of the arts, creativity, and the imagination? I think museums are in a very specific moment and not such an optimistic moment. I don't mean the COVID crisis, but more important, I think, uh, like many other institutions, museums can die. And I think we have to deal with this uh, question, and especially with the young generation. And some people want to make walls between the digital world, the virtual world, and the real world. And I think, of course, that's my point of view, but I'm not alone, but uh, the, one of the solutions will be to make, of course, a balance and a link between the two worlds. And I think my world, the museum world, is still very encored in the ancient world. And we have to make a change of paradigm to be more focused, more connected with what interested now the, what interests now the young generation. And I think if we don't do that, of course, we will have, like we said, wonderful mausoleum. But as like in the world of the ancient Egypt, at the end, the mausoleum, you forget them and you, you will spend lots of time to discover them again. Yes, what some museum directors uh, say to me is that exhibitions that include uh, focusing on these important whether it's social issues or climate change or it's the, the wider issues that that's one way that, that we're really feeling that they're urgent issues yeah moving it like beyond art and with all your years and pursuit of knowledge 
and celebrating the imagination as you look at our current systems, not just the art world, but just the current systems, what do you feel are some ways we might improve them in order to build a better tomorrow? That's a difficult thing. No, I, I think art uh, is a nice world to help us to see the world differently. Uh, and so I have no solutions, I have no ideal solutions, but I have dreams. And that makes the connection with the artistic world and your goal about creative process so interesting. And we are, we are so lucky to have all this revolution of the 20th century, but now just be confident in the artist and art. Well, it's true because everything begins with a dream and like Picasso gave us this wonderful example, there are no rules. We can make our rules. We can invent our, our future. So I want to thank you, uh, Laurent Lebon, thank you very much. and the Musée Picasso for all you have done to expand our appreciation of art and creative genius, engaging our imaginations through sharing the stories behind art, fostering scholarship and educational immersion. Thank you for adding your voice to Thank you. It process. was a great pleasure to be with you and to share this wonderful moment. The Creative Process podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. This interview was conducted by Mia Funk with the participation of collaborating universities and students. Associate Interviews producer on this podcast was Pearson Brown. Digital Media Coordinator is Yu Young Lee. Wintertime was composed by Nicholas Anodolis and performed by the Athenian Trio. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you would like to get involved in our exhibitions, podcasts, or submit your creative works, just drop us a line at team at creativeprocess.info.